Love it, love it, love it. So good. Well, children are a blessing from the Lord, aren't they? Uh, they, they teach us so much. You know, Jesus said, actually, in Matthew 18, 3, he said, Truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> and so we look at all these children and we think about um, just the example that they even show to us. And, uh, I mean, think about them. As they're even being let out right now, that's, that's just a picture of just following your father or your mother, you know, following. And I think about children, how they are gentle. Uh, children are humble. They're dependent. I, I think about the purity of heart that is in children, you know. And, and Jesus talked about how these are the qualities that are to be found in the children of God, that we want to have these qualities that are childlike. And as we've been making our way through the book of 1 John, what we've been repeatedly called throughout this book is we've been called little children. You know, and, and maybe that, that idea to be called a little child, maybe that's like a little bit offensive to you. You know, you're like, I'm a full-grown adult. Why am I being called a little child? Um, but this great um, word that's used, that, that word technion, to, to be called little children is a, is a blessing, and we should realize our identity as children. And so, with that being said, let me pray for our morning one more time. Let's, let's get into the Word together. We're going to be in First John chapter 4, and excited to see what God has in store for us. So, Lord Jesus, thank you for each child that was dedicated unto you. We pray, God, that we all here today would become like little children, Lord, and, and that, Lord, that would not be an offense to us. You said, um, you said, blessed are you if you are not offended by me. And Lord, as we learn today of um, the real us, and we learn about the real Jesus, Lord, I pray that we would come as children to you. We would turn, we would be saved, we would come into that relationship where we are your family. And what a blessing and a privilege it is to be called the children of God. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, you know, as we go through First John, John has been dishing out a little bit of some hard, direct truth, but John has been saying it because he loves us enough to say it. And John is a spiritual father who has both care and concern for the children of God. He wants the believers in Christ to be at home in God's family, that, that as Christians we would be settled and that we would be secure in God's family. And, and the little children is a great term that's given to us because what it shows us is it first shows us that we are deeply loved by the Father, right? We've been told already, we have been lavished with the love that comes from the Father. Uh, being called little children also shows that we are growing and that we are maturing. You know what else it tells us? It tells us that we sometimes make messes of ourselves. <laughs> I brought my, home, my, my son home last night from the Christmas parade, and I'm sorry, he had chocolate up to his ears. <laughs> And, and we often find ourselves getting into things that make messes, and, and just to be called children who can come to the Father to be cleansed is even a, a wonderful promise. And so let's have a look today in 1 John chapter 4. We're going to start off in verse 1. We're going to make our way down to verse 12. And so we'll just take one verse at a time. Let's start with verse 1. It says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. 
And so John is clearly writing to people who understand spiritual things. The beloved, as he refers to them also, are the people in the church who are learning the difference between light and darkness, love and hate, truth and error, and he calls them spiritual people, and that's what we are, right? We're spiritual people who've been learning from First John about the clear-cut difference of what it means to be uh, known by God and to know God and, and to not know God. And it all hinges on what we believe about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You see, our belief in Jesus, the Son of God, that is going to be lived out through relationship with him where day by day we're being conformed into the image of Jesus, meaning that every single day as a Christian, we are meant to look more and more like our brother Jesus. And, and John says to us, who are spiritual people, and the reason he can call us spiritual people is why? Because we have the Holy Spirit. Even look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 24. It says, um, whoever keeps the commands abides in God's and God in him, and by this we know that he abides in us. How? by the spirit whom he has given us. So if you are a Christian, if you believe upon the saving work of Jesus Christ, then you are a Christian and you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, therefore you are a spiritual person. But being a spiritual person, we have to understand also, as John says, do not believe every spirit, why? Why not believe every spirit? I mean, John, we're spiritual people. We like spiritual things, right? But John is saying, listen, guys, listen, children. There is light and there is darkness. There is love and there is hate. There is truth and there is error. There is God and there is the devil. You've got Jesus Christ and you've got Antichrist. You've got the Holy Spirit and you've got demonic spirits. And, and we've learned all of this as we've been going through First John. Every single one of those sort of spirits, as it were, as we've seen throughout the book of John. Uh, but even as I contrast those spirits, what we're not talking about is we're not talking about dualism. We're not talking about this idea that there's this ongoing battle between good and evil spirits, and we're all just kind of wondering who's going to win in the end. That, that, that would be dualism, but that is not Christianity. You see, Jesus already claimed the victory, amen? The battle has already been won. God, who is light and love and truth, has overcome everything that opposes him and everything that is false will be judged by him. So there's never been a question about who is gonna win in the end, who is gonna be the overcomer. And so today what we have to choose is we have to choose whether we want to be with Jesus, whether we want to win. You know, if, if, if today you want to abide in life or death, and the word of God tells us that life can only be received by Jesus Christ who died on a cross for sinners. And so children, we must not believe every spirit because there is only one Holy Spirit. I love what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4 through 6. He says, there is one body, and that is the church. And, and we here today, we are just one local expression of the body of Jesus, the church. And, and there is one spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, 
one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. You know, that's just an eloquent way of Paul saying that there is only one God and there's only one way to God. It's through the man, Jesus Christ. And so as we think about this, we need to think about how in our world today, as the body of Christ who believes that there is one Holy Spirit who has dwelled himself in us, like the God of the universe chose to live in our bodies. How profound is that? Therefore, beloved, we need to test spirits because as deception abounds, especially in our pluralistic world that we're living in, we need to have the discernment to know what is of God and what is not of God. We cannot be naive, little children, to think that outside the church and even inside the church that there are not deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons trying to pull us away from the one true God who is the only giver of eternal life. Therefore, we have to test spirits. He says, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. So John says that, right, in this world that we're living in, that there are false prophets and that not all spirits are from God. And this was true in John's day, and look, it's certainly true in our day, which is that, you know, think, let's just think for a moment first about John's day. As he lived in the first century, what was he dealing with? And we've talked about this in previous weeks. We've seen how John was dealing, how there was Gnostic teaching that was coming into the church. And Gnosticism was a, a dualistic theology, which we said Christianity is not. Gnosticism was a dualistic teaching that denied the incarnation of Jesus, that he came in the flesh. They claimed this higher secret knowledge that supposedly made you overcome this earthly, evil, corrupt, natural realm that we live in, and that you could, by your knowledge, enter into this sort of higher spiritual realm. Doesn't that sound kind of spiritual? It kind of sounds kind of Christian, actually but it's false. You know, a lot of times Christians think that it's just about leaving this corrupt, evil world through knowledge to go to some higher spiritual realm. And there's some sense of truth in that, but it's, it's not exactly that. You have to understand, you have to understand God's truth as it's revealed in Scripture. And, and although the Gnostics claim Jesus, they're like, we believe in Jesus, what they did is that they accepted the deity of Jesus, that he was God, but they denied his humanity. And you know, Paul in Colossians was writing to that church because they were having the opposite problem, which is that people were accepting the humanity of Jesus, but they were denying his deity. And, and if you get either of those wrong, if you get it wrong that Jesus is not God, or you get it wrong that, that Jesus is not man, you get Jesus wrong. And in our day, we have to test all things by asking, you know, what's, what's the daily special? Because there are false things that are being taught about Jesus in our world today. You'll find it in various religions who, who talk about there being Jesus, but that maybe he's not God. 
maybe just a great teacher or a prophet. You find Jesus in cults. You may find Jesus in universities or movies or television documentaries. You know, my favorite is the television documentaries that say, the real Jesus tonight at 7 p.m. Come and watch. And you're just like, oh my goodness, right? (laughs) And even in churches, there are churches that claim to be churches that claim a different Jesus. And what are these false teachings regarding Jesus? You know, Ben Kai talked about last week in a great message. He said that there's really not that many concepts in the Bible But the ones that are there, they run really deep. And I'd say the same thing is true for false teaching, is that all we really have is variations of the same old garbage that comes from the father of lies. That that, the the same things, the same denials of who God is, and, and they run deep though. And people believe these lies and there's deception and we have to understand, little children, that we are not immune to that kind of deception. And so we must not believe every spirit, but we must test spirits. Well, how do we do that? I'm glad you asked. Let's look at verse 2 and 3. It says, by this we know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. All right, so we're supposed to test spirits, right? How do you do that? Well, let's first think about what this idea of test means. In fact, the the word test has a pretty significant meaning. It means to check something against a standard that never changes. To test something against a standard that never changes. And do you see what the standard of the test is? We are to test spirits by the standard of Jesus as he is revealed in the teachings of scriptures. Because listen, Jesus never changes and God's word never changes. So those are the standards by which we measure every other spirit. And and this isn't, you know, an essay question where you just have to argue your position. This isn't a multiple choice where C's get degrees. You know, thank you for that. I made it through college. But the test of truth, right, it has one question. And it's a right or wrong answer. What is the test? The test is, who is Jesus? Jesus gave that test to Peter and he got it right. Ding, ding, ding. You are the Christ. There is one test. It is Who is the real Jesus, and what did he come to do? That is the test of truth, and you know who you need to help you on the test? The Holy Spirit. (laughs) You need him to be your helper, your counselor, your teacher, because you can't confess Christ apart from the Holy Spirit. So, little little cheat sheet, little little thing. Have the Holy Spirit to pass the test (laughs) of who is Jesus. Because not every spirit confesses Jesus in the way that Scripture proclaims him. And and so let me just give you kind of like a hypothetical situation, maybe something that would have happened in, right, the first century church that John was writing to. So let's just imagine that on a Sunday morning, you know, in the first century church, they're gathered around the coffee and the donuts on Sunday morning, and 
Everyone's hanging out, and they, they start talking and everything, and somebody there, this Gnostic teacher, comes in and just starts saying, it doesn't really matter how many donuts you eat, because it doesn't really, this physical body doesn't really matter. And everyone's like, all ears, like, ooh, we got a health guru here. Tell me more. And, and as the Gnostic teacher begins to explain himself, as he goes on to talk about how Jesus didn't really have a body, because, you know, Jesus was pure, enlightened spirit who just kind of came to tell us about spiritual things. And then this Gnostic maybe says, you know, your, your pastor over there, John, doesn't really know about this stuff, but I can tell you about it, so let, let me tell you more. What should the church do at that point if somebody were to come into their midst wanting to teach a different Jesus? You just sip your coffee, say, I'm all ears. No, you should test the spirits. So what you should say is, you know, well, sir, hold on a minute. Can, can I ask you, humbly, a very simple question? Question about Jesus, the Son of God. And you, you just need to ask this question that John told us to ask. He said, did, did Jesus come in the flesh? And, and he might respond by saying, well, it only seemed like he came in the flesh. And that's what it looked like. Jesus didn't have really a physical body like ours. He had a phantom spirit that came from God. You know, the Gnostics actually taught that as Jesus walked on the beach, that, that there wouldn't be footprints in the sand because he was just kind of this phantom of a body. Jesus was a divine being, but he wasn't a man is what this person would begin to claim. And at, at that point, what should the people in the church do? They should say, well, sir, please leave some donuts for the little children and, uh, and, and do not speak those lies in this church. You are not from God because you do not know the true nature of Jesus, right? You see, you could then begin to proclaim the real Jesus. Who is the real Jesus? And maybe you're here today and, and, and this will be news to you. Who is the real Jesus? What did he come to do? Well, let me tell you, Jesus is fully God and fully man, co-equal and co-eternal with God. Jesus is the savior of the world who came in human flesh and was without sin, and he died on a cross and was buried and rose from the dead three days later in a physical body. He then ascended to heaven where he is currently seated right now at the right hand of God, and he's building his church as people would put faith in him. He will again physically appear for his church, and when he does, he will come and he will bring us into his everlasting kingdom, and he will decisively judge all that opposes him. And there, sir, is the real Jesus. That's the real Jesus. There may be different nuances of how you say that, but the fundamental facts is that Jesus is God and he is man. He came in the flesh, he died on the cross, he was buried, and he rose again to the glory of the Father. Amen. Amen. And anyone who, amen. And you know, you can tell a person who doesn't believe in this Jesus Especially, for instance, that Gnostic, you know, if there were to come more conversation, you could tell that person, well, listen, by you saying that Jesus didn't have a physical body, what you're doing is you're denying the incarnation of Jesus. By saying that he didn't come in the flesh, 
you're, one, you're speaking by a false spirit, but to reject the incarnation, you're denying the atonement. And if you deny the cross, then you cannot be saved and you're still dead in your sins. And so you've got to invite these people who, who believe in other Jesuses to come and to know the real Jesus. And if the Gnostic were just to say, you know, I'm offended by you. How dare you oppose what I believe in? This is the Jesus that I want. You can say, unless you turn and become like little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And you send that false prophet away before they deceive any other little ones. We need to be firm, humble, gentle, but firm in the truth of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. I hope that doesn't deter you from going and grabbing some coffee and donuts after service. And so, that was a hypothetical situation of the first century church dealing with Gnosticism. But as I said, what's the daily special? What do we find today that people are saying about Jesus that is not consistent with the claims of Scripture and as Jesus revealed himself to be? You know, this week I had a really interesting phone call. There was somebody who called the church, and they started out by saying that they weren't a Christian, but they wanted to talk to a Christian to ask some questions. And generally, I'm, I'm all about that. <laughs> and so I started to talk to this person, and um, it came out that this person was really set on denying Jesus. This young woman um, claimed that she was Jewish, and she wanted to prove to me uh, you know, she called the church. She wanted to prove to me that I was an idolater who was following a false prophet. <laughs> and um, that by me believing in Jesus, right, that made me an idolater because I had three gods, because I believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. A and clearly, you know, we understand the, the triune nature of God. We understand how Jesus came to show us the Father. And, and I was you know, it was great that First John was fresh in my mind, especially this passage. And so we were having a good conversation and then kind of came to the end and she was really pressing me to try to, to try to kind of just say that I was a false teacher. And I asked her, I said, do you believe that Jesus, the Son of God, the I Am of Israel, because she was Jewish, you know, the, the one who always has been and always will be, Yahweh, who came as the promised Messiah, do you believe that Jesus came in the flesh? And she said, no. And I said, then you are not of God. I said it humbly, I said it gently, but I said it firmly. Because First John says, no one who denies the Son has the Father. And whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. So, church, what we need to do this week is we need to pray for that young woman that she would come to her promised Messiah and believe in him. Amen. Amen. See, if a person doesn't confess Jesus in his essential attributes, in his essential works, then they're not of God. And I know that that's hard to say to people. But you can simply say you do not know God and there is, you do not have the Holy Spirit. No matter how good, no matter how kind, no matter how noble a person might be, 
We want people to know Jesus. We humbly and graciously proclaim the truth and the love that is found in Jesus. But unless people turn and repent and become born again, they will not receive eternal life. They will receive eternal judgment because they've denied the name that is above all names by which only, only the name of Jesus can mankind be saved. Only through Jesus. Jesus is the test. He is the unchanging standard of truth. And so you say to me, you know, Pastor Daniel, but that's not a popular message today. You know, this stuff offends people. But did Jesus come to put on a popularity contest? No, he came to take away sins and to destroy the works of the devil. And the world hated Jesus and his message and he was killed for it, which by the way becomes the very thing which saves us as his followers should we not expect that the world will hate us because guess what? It hated him first. So as followers of Jesus, we are to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus. I love what Hebrew says. He was crucified outside the city in shame, and we will go out there to be with him. It's not about being light or being popular. Woe to you, Jesus said, if everyone speaks well of you. Jesus is the test. Now, before we move on, from verses one and three, I wanna encourage you a little bit more in how to test the spirits. Because this is, this is serious stuff. I, I, you know, I've been a pastor for a little over 10 years and I, I just feel like more and more, I just, I feel this firmness that it is all about Jesus. And we can't waffle on that truth. But how you present that and how you test that truly matters, and the way that we do that is we are to be humble and gentle, but decidedly firm in truth. We are to keep the main thing the main thing, and the main thing is that Jesus Christ came, and and he proclaimed a gospel, and he accomplished that gospel, and that is what we proclaim, Jesus Christ and him crucified. We need to leave room for non-essential issues, especially in the body of Christ. We need to understand that we are to love the brethren. We need to not assume things. We don't need to needlessly offend people. But what we cannot do is we cannot minimize the offense of the gospel. We can't minimize the offense of the gospel. To be a fool for Christ is when you preach him crucified. And that's where the power of God is. There is power. Listen, there is power in other spirits. There's even power in other messages. But not all spirits and not all messages come from God because we know that the spirit of the Antichrist is already in the world and there are unclean spirits that are at work. And so we need to test all things and hold fast to what is good. And that is vital vital for why we need to know the real Jesus and why you need to bring the real you to the real Jesus. It's vital that we know him and are known by him. And so Christians, we must get acquainted with who Jesus is as he is revealed in the word of God. So be discerning. Be discerning because there are counterfeits. There are so many pseudo-Christs in this world 
but the Spirit testifies of one. And it's our responsibility, little children, church, to be discerning. You have to do it for yourself. You have to do it for your little ones that God has entrusted to your care, especially if you've dedicated your little ones to Jesus. This is your responsibility to test the spirits. Our elders are gonna do this discerning work as we shepherd the flock of God that is among us here. We are very careful to make sure that what we teach is from the word of God. Amen? Amen. Verse four through five, listen to this. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in the world is greater than he, uh, he who is in you, sorry, is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world and the world listens to them. So if you are today, here today, and you are indeed born of God, you know the real Jesus. You've brought your real self, you've brought all of your sin, all of your shortcoming, because you know that you've fallen short of the glory of God, and you've come to the real Jesus, and you know that he died on a cross for your sins, you know that he was buried, and you know that he raised from the dead so that you can have eternal life. You've put faith in that truth of Jesus, and you have received his grace of salvation. I just encourage you, you know what you gotta go do? You gotta go read Ephesians 1 again. Because Ephesians 1 will get you reacquainted with your identity and standing in Jesus Christ. And being firm in our identity and standing with Jesus is gonna be what keeps us in this world. You know, we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. You know, deception in this world, false prophets, antichrists, demonic spirits, doctrines of demons, it's in the world, but it need not scare the believer. You don't need to fear. You've been given a spirit, a spirit of truth, a power of love, and a sound mind. Again, again, how incredible it is that the God this universe chose to dwell in you. You are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. How profound, how humbling. And we get to use the Holy Spirit of God to not be afraid. Because look, there are things that if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you should fear. For there is a great one in this world, the devil, who has been called the God of this world. And those who do not have the Holy Spirit are still under the devil's rule and power. It says in 1 John 5, 19, we know we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. But we also know from 1 John 3, 5, and 8 that Jesus came to take away sins and to destroy the works of the devil. Now, what John is saying in this next verse, verse 5, look at it with me again. It says, they are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. This is what I think John is saying. I I think that what he's saying is that those who know Jesus, well, rather, no. Those who want to know Jesus, those who want to speak for Jesus, 
those who want to tell others about the way of Jesus, they must do so by the word of God and by the spirit of God. So if somebody comes to you and they offer you some kind of spiritual knowledge, some kind of spiritual experience, but as you would come to find out, it denies some aspect of the person and the work of Jesus, or it is not consistent with scriptures, you know, this is what I see a lot. I see a lot of times people trying to sanitize the cross. They might have the cross, but they try to sanitize it. Or, or maybe they'll remove the virgin birth. But to remove the virgin birth is to deny again the incarnation, which is to say you're still dead in your sins. Uh, or, or people will leave out the devil or sin or hell or judgment to come. And you know what? When you start doing that, when you sanitize the cross, you stop talking about anything that requires faith and trust in Jesus and the word of God, what you end up having is that the world will listen to you. The world will listen to you because you are speaking from the world. And those who want to speak for God, if they're not gonna do it according to the true nature of Jesus and the true revelation of God's word, then they don't know God or the power of God. It is why we seek to be in a Bible-teaching, Jesus-loving, spirit-filled church. Verse six, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. And by this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And as I read that verse, that is like a verse that can get so twisted out of context, right? Whoever listens to us, we're from God, listen to me. I've already told you, don't listen to me. <laughs> don't listen to me. I, I believe that as I teach the word of God that I'm rightly dividing the word of truth, but, but please, if you are in this church, if you call Calvary Chapel, Palestine is your home, and Pastor Daniel Hendrickson is your pastor, like, listen to the messages that I preach, please, I, I hope you would listen. Um, uh, but... So receive the word with eagerness of mind, but test all things according to the word of God to see if it's true. It, you know, you have a teacher. He's called the Holy Spirit and he dwells in you. You have the revelation of God's word sitting in your lap, hopefully. So by the spirit of God and the word of God, you should always be checking to see if the things that I say are so, to making sure that they are consistent with the truth of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, there we go. There's some hard, straight, knocking truth right there. This would be like a super good time for a joke or a story. Um, you know, generally, um, I try to crack, like, like, you know what's really funny? I was joking about the red onion, and I think there's this, like, belief now that I hate the red onion. <laughs> Jokes get you into trouble, man. I don't hate the red onion. I like, anyone want to go to the red onion? I'm all game. I love it. So, you know, from time to time, you'll hear me tell, you know, stories of my kids, which everyone's like asking me if I'm giving them money now for telling stories about them. This is all of you've been here, you know. If you know, you know. Um, and, uh, but I just don't want to be a storyteller and a joke teller. Although jokes and stories open up the heart to receive the word of God, I understand that. But here's what I understand. More than anything, you guys, church, I want to see Jesus formed in you. I want to see Jesus formed in you. And nothing can do that better than the word of God and the spirit of God. So every single day, I prepare 
for the word of God to be proclaimed, I, I study and I pray it hot and I ask Holy Spirit, would you communicate it through me? But you have to receive it with the Holy Spirit in you and the word of God in your lap. And you have to go and live it. And when we do that, it's game changing. So although I don't have a joke or a story to tell, what I do have is verses seven through 12, which is more scripture that I'm just gonna breeze right through. But this is all about love. This is the one concept in the Bible that is like a little child can understand it and you will never plummet the depths of it. We could exposit verses seven through 12 for hours and not get to the bottom of God's great love. But I'm gonna try to do it in two minutes. You ready? Okay. Verse seven, beloved. The reason I'm trying to do this is because next, next week, my pastor from Santa Barbara, Tommy Schneider, is coming to preach the word of God here. And uh, he's picking it up at verse 13, so I gotta get to verse 12 for him. <laughs> so it says, beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So I love speaking the truth. That's what I love to do. I love you, church. I love you with a love that comes from God. And God loves me and has made me his child, and so I've made it my life ambition to bring more people into the family of God. So this is a place where we are gonna love each other. If you're new to the whole Christianity gig, get used to it. If you're gonna come into this building, get used to some love, because we wanna love people. But love is not the absence of hard truth. Love is found in truth. And verse eight says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. There's a lot of people who you will meet in this world who claim a certain kind of love, but they do not know love. Not at least in the unconditional, sacrificial, selfless, agape love of God because God is love. It's his actual nature and he cannot deny or contradict himself. He is love. And I love what 2 Peter 1.3 says that we have become partakers of his divine nature. We love because we serve a God of love. And verse nine says, in this the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. And so John's just making it simple. He says, you wanna see the greatest love that this world has ever seen? Look no further than to the son of God who died on a cross for the sins of the world so that we might live through him. You can live a life filled with love today if you come to this Jesus. And verse 10 says, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So even when you weren't even seeking love, God came and loved you. God did this without us even asking. We think that we have a pretty good understanding of love, but many people don't wanna come to Jesus. You wanna know why a fundamental reason people don't come to Jesus? They feel like they've got a good grasp on love with just themselves. Like they know love, but they don't know that love begins with God. And love is defined by God. Love does not begin with us and love is not defined by us. God is not only the, the demonstrator and the maker of love, he is love. Like it's actually his nature and no greater love has been seen than how God sent forth his son. And then verse 11 through 12. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to 
love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Church, are we loved by God? Yes. Yes. Church, can we love one another as we ought to? Yes, we will. Can we go out and love our neighbor and see this world come to Jesus? Yes. I feel like the yeses got quieter. <clears throat> Let's start over. No. So, we must. Without truth and without love, how will anyone ever see God? And if you know truth and you have love, then you are an ambassador of God. We find everything in Jesus. He's the man full of grace and truth. And we, as his little children, are being conformed into his image. And so, as I end, oh, how today we need truth. We need to test things according to the standard that never changes, which is Jesus as he's revealed in scripture. And oh, how we need love. Love. Love just puts that big red bow on it as a gift to humanity that says, God loves you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your truth and your love. Thank you, Lord, that your truth and your love do not contradict one another. They are consistent with each other. And Lord, when we love people enough to say that if you don't know Jesus, you don't know God, God, thank you that you've given me the boldness to be able to proclaim that message today and I know to some ears who like to hear what the world has to say, that sounds foolish and offensive. But Lord Jesus, I stand with you and I stand with your message. And God, I thank you, Lord, that in that simple message of Christ crucified, there's so much power and that power doesn't come from me my eloquence of words or speech, but by a demonstration of the Spirit of God as your Holy Spirit will go forth into our midst and transform hearts and minds. Thank you, Lord, that you said that flesh and blood didn't reveal these truths to you, but my Spirit did. So God, I pray right now, would you even reveal by your Holy Spirit this truth of Jesus? And in this moment right now, I'm gonna pray. God, if there's anyone in here right now that you're revealing yourself to where they haven't known you in this way, God, I pray, Lord, that they would make a confession for you right now. You said to test the spirits, and we're gonna test right now. We're gonna say, here's the question, who is Jesus? If there's anyone who wants to say, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he came from heaven to earth to die for my sins. I believe I'm a sinner, and I believe I need rescue. So today I put my faith and my hope and my trust in Jesus, the only one who can save mankind. I've searched far and wide for things to satisfy and to save me, but nothing has. And so today I wanna turn my life to Jesus. And if that's you, if you're sensing that right now from the Lord, would you just raise your hand up over your head so that we can know to love you with the love that comes from God. I see you over there. Praise God. Amen. Anyone else who wants to receive this love that comes from Jesus? A love that is unchanging, unending. Amen.
I see the three of you over there. I'd love to pray with you just after the service here. Let, let's pray for these new children of God. God, thank you that these three over here, Lord, that your spirit revealed them to them today that they needed to come to faith in you, Jesus. And Lord, thank you that you've brought them into your family. Thank you that you called them little children and um, everything of their past has been washed away. As far as the east is from the west, so far have you removed their sins from them. And like the fog that we find on the hill here often gets burned away by the sun. God, that their sins are gonna be removed and seen no more. God, thank you that they are found in you today, Jesus, saved and redeemed, chosen by God. Thank you that the message of the gospel was the power to save them. In Jesus' name, amen.